chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> so it was, as the multitude pressed him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they had caught a great number of fish, and their nets began breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were, were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought the boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. It is always the right time to love and to honor God. It's always the right time to love and honor God. Now God has commanded us and Jesus affirmed that the very first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He did not give a timetable on that and say it's okay in these other times to not love your Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Not just because of the gift, this is the day, but also because of the giver that the Lord has made. And then there's an attitude of gratitude that goes along with that. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. It is always the right time to honor and to love God. You know, there are some moments in your life that you just don't give back. Isn't that true? And as we live for an exceedingly, well, some of us lengthy time period here on this earth, if God allows the earth to stand and certainly for us to continue upon it, there's times that you can think of in your life and times that I can think of in my life that I wish I could do over again. That I wish I could go back and make the choice to love and honor God the way that he deserves. But what I want us to understand about this is the principle that it's always the right time to love and honor God because God may be very well measuring us in those moments to be a boatload of blessings, not only to ourselves, but also to other people. When we choose to love and honor and respect God the way he deserves, in those moments, God may be measuring us as an opportunity that we can be a blessing to other people. And you look at your life and you look at the, how, that God, how that God has purposed us to be like Jesus and how everywhere Jesus went, regardless of if he was tired, regardless of if he was inconvenienced, regardless of if he was, uh, he was discouraged at the amount of faith of other people, Jesus still was a blessing to other people. And Jesus was because he understood this principle that it's always the right time to love and to honor God. You see, that's what this text is all about here in Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 through 11 is to show the ability that God has 
to bless us when we have a heart and cultivate a heart that wants to love and wants to honor God. There are five questions that we need to deal with based upon the text that Jason just read for us that have to do with this principle. Are you a channel of God's blessings? One man's rightly said that we either think of ourselves in terms of us being a channel or us being a reservoir. Now, with a reservoir, you may have an inlet, water that goes into this reservoir, but what you're going to find rarely is that there's an outlet for those things. Instead, what the reservoir does is it stores and it stores and it stores and it never delivers. And what happens over time is if that, uh, that reservoir begins to fill up and fill up and fill up and never delivers anything else to anybody else, that reservoir is not going to be anything that you want to drink out of. It's going to become stale. It's going to become stagnant. We can be a reservoir with the things God has given us to bless that God's given to bless us. And yet what God has purposed for us through Jesus Christ is that we're not reservoirs of his blessings, but we are channels of his blessing. You know, the difference between that is that there is an outlet now to be able to bless others. And I appreciate the fact that in Luke chapter 5, Jesus found a man by the name of Simon Peter who was willing to be used so that he could receive and he could be a boatload of blessings to other people. Five questions to deal with from Luke chapter 5 this morning that have to do with us and if we make the right choice when it comes time to love and honor God, which is really all the time. Question number one, how do I respond to serving? How do I respond to serving? Jesus is there in John chapter, or Luke chapter 5, rather if I said John, I meant Luke. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 and the Bible says that the multitudes are pressing about him. The multitudes are thronging him. That's a good problem to have when your ministry is so good that there's people that are crowding around you, wanting to be near you and wanting to hear the word of God from you. Jesus has got this problem. And he goes down beside the shore of Gennesaret, that is the Sea of Galilee. And he's there along the shore and he gets into a boat because, well, I mean, the boat's empty. And the fishermen gone away. Well, when Peter comes back, Jesus comes and says, Peter... Could you please push away from the land just a little bit so that I could teach these people? Peter, and this is a conversation we don't have recorded here in Luke chapter 5. Peter, could you push back your, land, your, your, uh, your boat and notice where the fishermen were? The fishermen were off washing their nets. That means they were done for the day. You know, there's a routine that you go through whenever you're done with your work day. And maybe those of you that are retired can think back and say, this is the way that I would do it. I would turn off my PC or I would, I would uh, turn off the desk lamp and then I would uh, make sure that all my things were put away and I put away the drawers. This is the equivalent of that with the, regard to these fishermen. And as Peter's day is over, now he has this request from Jesus to say, push your boat back from the land just a little bit. Well, Lord, I'm done for the day. I'm, I'm about to go home. I'm about to relax a little bit. I'm about to go to bed because we've been up fishing all night. And yet Peter, in this time, chooses to love and honor God, and he chooses to do what the Lord requests of him in pushing back from the land. You know, the way that we respond to serving is often with a five-letter word that I hear more often than anybody else, probably with the people that you deal with as well. T-I-R-E-D. And I feel like one of the biggest disadvantages and one of the biggest barriers to us loving and honoring God the way that we ought to is that word, T-I-R-E-D. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm tired. I am so tired. How are you doing this afternoon? Oh, I'm tired. I am worn out. 
I could fall asleep right now. I am so tired. And sometimes it may not necessarily be physical. I need, I need to go and sleep, but I'm just worn down. I'm worn out. And yet when the question comes, I have no doubt that Peter is feeling exactly those things there in Luke chapter 5. He's been working. He's been working like a dog with all the rest of the fishermen. And now Jesus comes and says, Peter, here's an opportunity for you to serve, for you to serve me. And Peter could have very well said that five-letter word, T-I-R-E-D, but he chose not to. And aren't you grateful? I appreciate there's passages in the scriptures that tell us, Christians, that we may very well be weary, that we may very well be tired. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all, especially those of the household of faith. That's a great verse to say that it's always the right time to love and honor God by providing for other people, especially doing good for the members of God's household. That's a great verse to learn. But the very next one says, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. You see, Paul is acknowledging there that the real possibility is that we may lose heart, we may get tired, we may get worn down and not respond the way that we ought to when it comes time for serving others. Aren't you grateful that Peter took the opportunity to love and honor God? And it was a blessing for him because as he's pushing back from the land a little bit and Jesus begins to open his mouth and teach the people using the natural reflective quality, the, the acoustical properties of the water to where he can just speak just at a normal tone and have that word reflected so that all the people that are around can hear him. Peter had a front row seat to hear the teaching of Jesus. Where are you whenever Bible class opportunities come around when you have an opportunity to stir up Christian family to love and good works, Hebrews 10, 24, I'm T-I-R-E-D. You don't know the week I've had, I don't, but I also know God could use you to be a channel of blessings if you would choose to honor him first by attending. Fill in the blank as far as application goes, it's always the right time to love and honor him. Question number two, consider, how do I respond to discouragement and failure? How do I respond to discouragement and failure? As much as Peter was tired on this occasion, it also occurs to me that Peter could have very well been irritable and he could have very well been frustrated at this instance in his life. Consider just for a moment, Peter gets, or Jesus gets into the boat and he goes out and he teaches and then he tells Peter, Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for the catch. Now wait a minute, just a second. Peter had already turned off the lamp. Peter had already shut down his computer. Peter had already put away his valuables in the drawers and he had already closed everything up and locked them and he was on his way out the door. That's the equivalent of what he's there doing. He has washed his nets. He doesn't want that salt water, that, that water, that, uh, that brackish water to be able to affect the quality of his nets. He washed them. That's a painstaking, laborious process. And Peter had already finished doing that and now here's this man to come along and say, now I want you to put those nets back into the water. And Peter said, Lord, we have fished all night, but we have caught how much? Not a thing. Anybody ever gone fishing and not caught anything? <laughs> you know how frustrating that is? Because that's the purpose for why you're going there. Well, sometimes. Sometimes you just want to go and put a pole in the water and not watch it and just uh, experience the, the quietness and the stillness. I understand that aspect of it. But this is a man who's fishing for his livelihood. 
This is a man who might not have much to eat that day based upon the fact that he fished all night and what did he catch? Got nothing. And Peter, in hearing these words of Jesus, to launch out into the deep and put down your nets for the catch, he says, Lord, we have fished all night and we haven't caught a thing. And you can hear the frustration in his voice. And I wonder if while Jesus was teaching, it doesn't say how long Jesus spoke. He could have been speaking 30 minutes, he could have been speaking an hour, he could have been speaking two hours. You don't have anything in the text that records that Peter began to be anxious in his boat or he began to fidget, or he began to cross his legs and cross, uncross them, then cross his arms and uncross them. He didn't, uh, it, it doesn't indicate that he became impatient with this and his request. And yet you can imagine the discouragement and the failure that Peter felt as a fisherman, having fished all night and caught nothing. You see, sometimes when we become selfish and we become, woe is me, throwing ourselves a pity party, one man said, there's no good in throwing yourself a pity party because you're the only one that's going to attend, and the people that are going to come are not going to be praying presents, so there's no good in, in throwing a pity party. But sometimes when we get selfish and we get prideful and puffed up, and Peter could have very well taken this opportunity and said, Lord, don't you know that I know what I'm doing? Don't you know that the best time for fishing has already passed? Lord, don't you know? Peter didn't do that. How do we respond to discouragement and failure? Sometimes we can absolutely get down. Sometimes we can be discouraged and we can be depressed. And yet it's always the right time to love and to honor God, especially, especially when we go through those down times. James would say, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What James is saying is when you're loving and honoring God the way that you ought to, then those difficulties and those trials and those things that really get us down and disappoint us and cause us to reflect heavily upon who we are and, and what we're doing here, James says those are an opportunity that God can bless your life and God can provide you to be a blessing to other people. That's James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. The question is, how do we respond when we get down? Do we still make time to love and honor God the way that we ought to? Because God is there ready to provide us a boatload of blessings when we do. Question number three, how do we respond to authority? How do we respond to authority? Jesus says, launch out into the deep, put you down your nets for a catch. Simple commandment. Peter could have said, Lord, I know what I'm doing. Lord, I know the best time to catch fish is not right now. Lord, this is what I do for a living. Lord, you have no right to tell me exactly what to do with regard to my nets. It's my nets. It's my boat. You're a guest and you're a visitor here on this boat. Lord, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. You ever get the feeling the Lord knows better than you do? This is what I do. Who's the Lord to tell me what, what to change and what to, what to, doesn't he know this is what I do for a living? How do I respond to authority? How we respond to authority is going to say a whole lot about the way that we love and we honor God. We talked about that this morning in the, the parenting class and how teaching respect for authorities to our children is so important 
Whether it may be the president that we disagree with, whether it may be the local leaders that we disagree with, whether it may be that there's an opposing political party that's in power that I absolutely cannot go along with their agenda. There are ways that I need to respect, respect and behave with regard to them based upon who they are and the authority that they are. You know why that is? Because Romans chapter 13 verse 1 is in the Bible. That we have a responsibility to respect and to obey and to honor those who are over us as God's ministers, as ones who are appointed by God. It's always the right time to love and honor God by showing respect and showing honor to the governing authorities. And yet here in this case, we have to ask the question, what would have been most honoring to the authority of Jesus for Peter to do? Peter says, Lord, we fished all night and we caught nothing. Yet nevertheless, at your word, at your word. You see, Peter understood something, not, all, not, not at all about what he was about to understand based upon the catch that they received. He understood something about the authority of the one who was sitting there in the boat with him. And aren't you glad that he responded in the right way? Because we would have never had Luke chapter 5 in the Bible if Peter hadn't responded the way that he ought to because he made the choice to love and to honor God. How do you respond to authority? How do you respond to the authorities that God has put in place? Policemen, students, teachers, parents, grandparents, elders, president. All of those are going to say a great deal as to how we're going to behave in loving and honoring God. How do I respond to authority? Question number four that this text deals with is this. How do I respond to success? How do I respond to success? Peter says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down my nets. He lets down his nets, and immediately there is a great catch of fish. So much so that they had to go over and they had to call for another boat that was perhaps coming in, and they had to grab onto that, have that other boat grab onto the other side of that net and try and pull them up. And it says that both boats were so full that they were sinking. And Peter could have stood up and said, I knew it. I knew it. It was just that one more time. You know, that's the siren call of a fisherman. I haven't caught anything, and I'm just going to throw it in one more time. It's the same way that people do the, the slot machines. You know, they want to push the button one more time, push the button, near miss, near miss, near miss. Peter could have said, oh, it's, this is it. This is the one. I knew it. When in reality, it was the one who was in the boat. In fact, Peter gave honor and glory to him. He fell down at his feet, and he said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. How do you respond to success? You realize that any success that you get in this life is a blessing from God. But as we mentioned, that when we behave in selfish and prideful ways, God may still bless us, but he's not going to bless us in the way that he wants to bless us. And that is to fill our boats and to cause us to be not only a blessing to, uh, not only to be a blessing for us, but also a blessing for other people. Can you imagine him and the other fishermen pulling these boats through great toil that they had already exerted all night and pulling these boats back to shore and then having the people stand there and look and say, I don't believe it. Sometimes we want to puff ourselves up and say, well, 
That's me. That's my prowess as a fisherman. That's my prowess and as, as a businessman. That's my prowess and, and knowing the exact right thing to do for every occasion. Aren't I a wonderful person? We pat ourselves on the back. When we neglect the principle, it's always the right time to love and to honor God. When God blesses you in your life, when God gives you a victory, how do you respond? The Bible tells us, if any man is sorrowful, if any man is suffering, let him pray. If any man is cheerful, if any man's got a victory, let him sing praises. James 5 verse 13. There's an opportunity and there's a blessing that we can have from God that we can absolutely fail to give him thanks for and acknowledge him. But it is always the right time to love and to honor God, especially, especially when we have a boatload of blessings with us based upon who he is. Love that song that Joseph led, God will take care of you. It was led or talked about in the, in the uh, offering prayer. You don't sing that song enough, I don't think. And we don't consider really the ways, the rich ways that God has taken care of us in this life. It's always the right time to love and to honor God. Question number five this morning. How do I respond to the life of faith? This is really what this text is about in loving and honoring God. As Jesus is measuring Peter to be a blessing, to not only receive a boatload of blessings, but also to be a blessing to others, what Peter is doing is he's falling down before the Lord and recognizing there's something about the one that's in this boat as the one who created not only the land, but also the, the, the sea that we've been fishing in, not only the nets, but also the fish that are caught and as Peter recognizes the one that sits there in the boat with him, he falls down before him and says, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I love that echo. I love that refrain of who Jesus is, especially when John, the apostle, falls down before Jesus there in Revelation chapter 1. As seeing the one who is glorified in that beautiful picture of who Jesus is, and John has no response except to fall on his face. And the Lord says the exact same thing, don't be afraid. But notice that Jesus wasn't done. He didn't just say, don't be afraid, Peter. He says, from now on, you're going to catch men. It's remarkable to me to think about, and it'd be a great Bible study for you to think about, is the skills and qualities that Peter needed or had developed as a fisherman that he was going to be needing as an evangelist, as a preacher of the gospel. And making a list of all those qualifications, characteristics that uh, he learned as far as being a fisherman. But then realizing that he was going to be catching men and, and, and preaching the gospel and trying to catch souls. There's a striking similarity between the two and Jesus acknowledges that here. But notice what they did when they got back to land, verses 10 and 11. They forsook all and they followed him. They forsook all and they followed him. And I wonder, just in my mind's eye, what that looked like for them. I wonder if it was that, that, that Peter said, all right, somebody else is going to take care of these fish. I'm following this guy. Or hang on, Jesus, just a second. Let me get all these fish out. Let's, let's gut them. Let's make sure that they're all filleted and ready to go to market. And then we'll come and follow you. Or if it was, Jesus, hang on just a second. Let me wash this net again. And let me make sure that it's nice and clean so that if we choose to go back to... The Bible says that they forsook all and they followed him. That's interesting to me to wonder if it was just simply that 
that they got up out of that boat and Jesus began to walk off and they followed him, recognizing that he was going to provide boatloads of blessings as they did. And in fact, we do find that throughout the pages of scripture, don't we? Throughout the rest of the gospel accounts that Jesus feeding the 5,000, Jesus feeding the 4,000, Jesus feeding the 3,000, Jesus taking care of these men when there was nothing else to take care of them, Jesus providing for their livelihood when there was nothing else, physically speaking, around that he could have done, and how those men used the blessings that God had given them to draw nearer to him in a life of faith. Friends, I'm not Peter, and you're not either. And yet at the same time, doesn't Jesus say in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, didn't Jesus say to those who are following him that if any man desires to come after me, he must deny himself? Isn't that what Luke chapter 5, verse 11 is teaching us? A person that's going to take the life of faith is going to turn away from the earthly things and their earthly pursuits and pursue the things that please and honor God most of all. To love and honor and to follow him recognizing that they're not a reservoir, but they are a channel for God's blessings. He who desires to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I appreciate the lesson that Jesus says he's calling these men and realizing that most likely they'd already seen the miracle of Canaan and Galilee And most likely they'd already seen Jesus and and heard him and spoke to him. But they said, this is one that's worthy of me to follow more than any other. Friends, Jesus calls you to follow him over any other. And if I choose to be selfish and I choose to follow selfish pursuits and I choose not to honor and love the Lord with every moment, I wonder sometimes how many boatloads of blessings are passing me by because I don't have the spiritual eyes to see it or I don't have the right response to the life of faith. It's always the right time to love and honor God because the truth is that God could be preparing us and measuring us to be a blessing to other people. Think about your life. Does your life abound with the blessings of God? Yes, it does. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Yet how much more could our lives be full of the blessings of God if we chose not to let moments pass by and choose to do the selfish thing because we may be tired, we may be worn down, we may be discouraged, we may be empty. But taking the Lord at his word and simply following him by faith will always yield us blessings but oftentimes, because we're following the Lord, a boatload of blessings. I hope we'll think about Peter, and I hope we'll think about the life of faith that Jesus calls us to this week. Because every single one of us is called by the gospel, whether you're a Christian or not. And the question is, how will you respond to the authority of Jesus? When he said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved, he believeth not shall be condemned. Am I just willing to say, Lord, at your word, I'm willing to believe and be baptized? That's the word of the Lord repeated also by his servant, Peter, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. 
Lord, I've learned all of these things, and yet at your word, I'm just going to be responsive. I'm going to obey the gospel. You may have an opportunity right now. You do have an opportunity right now to be a blessing, not only in this congregation, but also to open yourself for the blessings that the Lord has prepared for you, if you're willing, if you're ready to be obedient. Maybe as a Christian, you've been living your life and you've lost focus, lost sight of who the Lord is, and lost sight of the fact that it's always the right time to love and honor the Lord. Make it right this morning, either publicly or privately. And if we can do anything to help you and encourage you, please let us know. God bless you this week. Let's stand and sing our invitation song.